We're on. Zach, you're looking scorched, sunburnt, thank if you, you will. You have that post-Mexico glow. Well, thank you. Uh, or should I say, gracias. Wow, you're so culturally adept. I picked up on some when I was there. You know, Cooper, we have different skin. You get really dark. You have just the beautiful olive. Mm, blessed <laughs> by the Lord himself. And your mother and father. Yeah. I'm a little pasty. little pasty. Pastry. I'm a pastry. You I'm are, a pastry. Yep. And when you put a pastry, strawberry filling, (laughs) yeah, the red comes out. Outside, the red comes through, and that's what Mexico did to me this last week. You're burnt and peely, but it's good to be back. Yeah, it's good to have you. A week, it it was awesome, amazing. Uh, Just sat by the pool, and it was like I was in the Incredibles, and they'd come up and they would say, "What you care for? Something more, mimosa." (laughs) Dude, that's one of my favorite lines in the entire movie. So, So Pixar, Disney, so good at putting adult humor into. Little kid films that you yeah. don't realize till that's exactly right. Random Speaking subject. of something you don't realize, yes, is there anything that you've learned <laughs> since since just kind of this engagement marriage season mm-hmm. about you and Abby? You were telling me about this earlier, <laughs> yeah. and I thought this. I said, let's table this. Yeah. This is something the listeners need to know. Yeah, what, we were sharing a molten lava cake at the moment, and I mm. got rather heated because we were we've been roommates four years. We lived together, done everything yeah. together. Well, now you're my ex. That's right, ex roommate. But there was a season in our roommate ship where you got in a car accident. Yep. You're fine. I'm fine. But you didn't have your former Cadillac. You're right. Right. And so I It was the it was the it was the grandma hand me down, you know. Yeah, it was awesome. It was yeah. beautiful. Uh, and then it was not. Beautiful. Yeah, then it was a little smashy. So not my fault. Just I, that needs <laughs> to be said. I was rear-ended. I was yeah. stopped at a stoplight. Yeah. The, a truck hit a truck that hit me. Yeah, so bummer. Could have been absolutely blitzed. Yeah, totaled the car. Totaled We're the good, car. Everything's fine. Which means you didn't have a car, which means you rode with me a lot. It was my pleasure to yes. ride, drive you around. I know. I, I loved you were Chick-fil-A. I loved it. But I think I'm a pretty good driver. I'd love to get your opinion on yeah, it. Yeah, you're a good I driver. I think I'm a good driver. You're a good driver. So I started you getting You do Abby. push it with gas, though. If anything, you're like, oh, we don't need gas. We'll be fine. Oh, yeah. I I wait to the last possible yeah. moment to get gas. I yeah. didn't realize you noticed that about me. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. I take that as a compliment. So I didn't realize how terrible of a driver I must be until I start driving with Abby. <laughs> and it's like I, – it's not even that – Okay, she can be a little overdramatic, and she would admit that. Yeah. You know how a mom does when you first get your permit. They're, like, white-knuckling the side. Yeah, yeah. And, like, you, like, stop, like, maybe a little too harsh mm-hmm. on the brake. It happens. And it's like, and you're like, hey, and you're easy. Like, you don't need to have a hissing snake appear next I've to got you. this stallion yeah. under control. Right. We're going to be okay. But then I've also realized that I have been really close to actually hitting things. <laughs> and I was like... Am I, have I always been this terrible of a driver? And it's like, I don't know what it is. Is, is it her? Is it me? Is it her being here? Is there this added pressure of me driving? I'm not as good as I once was. Yeah, it seems as though you're only a poor driver when she's in the car. Right, because when you're there, fine. I've right. never been that bad by myself. And no one can attest to that because right. I drive by myself. And if you ever see me driving by myself, you'd probably say, yeah, he's a pretty good driver. Yeah. I, I don't know what's wrong with me. Uh, I think I think it's marriage, man. There's only one common denominator. Like, there's only one thing that's new. Your, you know what it is? What? It's your wedding ring offsetting the uh, balance of your hands on the wheel. It's so not allowing me to appropriately grab ten and two. You're res- feeling restricted, and mm. wow, that's just a whole other topic about driving safety. Should we allow people to drive in rings? I mean, I might have to go get a ring tattoo. You might. I'd go wow. with you. Would you? I would. Would you get a butt tat? Welcome to the Next Generation Leader Podcast, where we believe great leaders are listeners, especially during their youth. 
Good leaders learn from their successes and mistakes, but great leaders learn from the successes and mistakes of those who go before them. I'm your host, Zach Funderburg, here with my co-host, Coop McCullough. Come on, Coop, you'd get one, right? I think I might. Neither of us have tattoos. No, no. We have fresh, untainted skin. That's right. I feel like I'll probably get a tattoo one day. I bet you will. You'd I've thought great. about getting tattoos, and I've also thought about not getting tattoos. I think you'd look great with tattoos, and you also look great without tattoos. Wow. Well, that's, I mean, you're too kind. Oh, well. Speaking of someone that I don't know if he has a tattoo or not... <laughs> It's Hans. We're meeting with Hans, and I'm not even going to attempt to say his last That's name. That's wise of you. Thank you. He's the CEO and founder of Ithaca Hospitality Partners. Mm. And so, Cooper, we both read a book that changed our life. Tell him about it. It's called Excellence Wins. It's written by Horst Schultze. Mm-hmm. Correct? We did not know that was the correct way to pronounce his name. Yeah, Hans actually told us that. Schultze rather than We thought than it was Schultz. Schultz. Either way. Any hoosies. This book is the best book I've ever read on how to lead a team well. Unbelievable. Kind of management, and we both read it, and we were changed by we it. We read it together, and mm-hmm. kind of like it was back when we were roommates. Talk yeah. about it before we go to bed, and it was every night there was something that we were like, "Wow, was just, that this was is good. so good." It's like how is this? It's a, it's not a pretty looking book. No, it's got a good. <laughs> you look of at it, and you're like, it. "I don't want to read that." When yeah. you look at the cover, but yeah. man, it is such a good book, and it's, it's such really a good. short read. It's the chapter, read. it's just short chapters. Yeah. They uh, they kind of hit. Hit quick, you know what right. I mean? There's they a little different. Too. They do hit different. There's so, little- Horst Schultze, he's the founder of. Well, he started. He, he helped start the Ritz Carlton hotels. Mm-hmm. If you know what the Ritz Carlton, obviously, I mean, everyone knows what the Ritz Carlton. Yeah, Ritz what are you doing? Well, if you don't know what the Ritz Carlton, does our Filipino audience know? <laughs> well, I'm sure there's a Ritz Carlton. I don't know. In the Philippines, maybe. If not, let us know. We'll make it happen. We cannot put you there, though. <laughs> I know. Anyway, then he broke off, started Capella. Uh, hotel groups is amazing in hospitality. And we know that hospitality is centered around excellence. It's what yep. they do. It's the little details that set them apart. Hans is a, we would say, disciple of Horst Schultz. Yeah. Worked with him at the Ritz-Carlton, went with him when he started his own hotel group called Capella. And then once he sold that group, he broke off, started Ithaca on his own, is based in Auburn, Alabama, was a mentor of Abby War Eagle, and uh, War, that's how we Abby Funderburg. War Abby Funderburg. That is crazy to hear. Yeah, that's crazy. Hans, he's amazing. We just talk about hospitality. I'm like, hey, what sets you apart as a hotel? What can and how can business yeah. uh, businesses and leaders look at hospitality in their own business? And I think it's something that we've tried to look at too: is how can we be excellent in the little things, and so then we are also excellent in the in the bigger things. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm excited to hear. And I think that's the key is starting small and Mm -hmm. uh, not getting carried away by focusing on such a big mission and such a big thing at the beginning. But if you do all the small things right, the big things will naturally happen. Yeah. And it's it started. It's discipline every single day. Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Yes. And hospitality in this case. And hospitality and also excellence. Here he is. Without further ado, my man, Hans. Last name goes here, but we can't say it. (laughs) Well, Hans, thank you so much for being with us. I'm excited to ask you some questions and learn from you. But I want you to start just by introducing yourself. Who are you? Kind of what's your story? You're, you're in hospitality. We know that. But how do you get to where you are today? Sure. Well, the th- first of all, thanks for having me. I've been really looking forward to this. And uh, um, I, you know, Hans van der Rijden, I was born and raised in, in the Netherlands. And uh, my family was in the funeral home and crematory business. And that's an amazing calling, uh, but just not a calling I had. I wanted to be in hospitality from a very early age. Uh, 
and um, started working as a dishwasher when I was about 14. Uh, that was not against child labor laws in Holland at the time. <laughs> and uh, worked on the weekends as a dishwasher and worked my way up to busboy and surfer assistant and server. And this was in a two-star Michelin restaurant uh, where, you know, if you didn't have a reservation a month or two months in advance, you wouldn't get in. Right. So you, know, you would see movie stars and royal family. And um, it just totally caught me uh, the, the the hospitality bug and graduated in hospitality management in Holland and worked for a year in Belgium and Antwerp. And, and my dream and my goal was always to come to the United States. And I figured out that doing so legally was not as easy as I thought. And uh, so couldn't, couldn't get a job on land and, but had an opportunity to work on a cruise ship with the Holland America line. I thought, this is great. You know, a little right. Holland, a little America and a little bit of, uh, yeah. And while I was working on the ship for three years, I really spent my time in between contracts because you work six months straight without a day off and then you have two months off. Um, I would go home, see my mom, do my laundry and go right back to the States on a tourist visa. And I just traveled around the country, um, meeting up with people that I met on the ship. And um, I really used the time to walk into hotels and figure out who I wanted to work for. And there were really two companies that really impressed me the most at the time. One was called Four Seasons, and the other one was the Ritz-Carlton Hotel Company. Beautiful. And there, there was something really special about that company, because whatever hotel in whatever city I would walk into, um, there was this incredible sense of pride of being part of the organization. And there was a real strong sense of culture. You know, you could mm. sense it. And I was like, man, I just, I really want to be part of that. And so I, I did have an opportunity and joined the Ritz-Carlton in St. Louis, then moved to Tyson's Corner, Virginia, downtown DC, New York, San Francisco, Atlanta, opened hotels all over the world. And then we ended up in Bali, Indonesia, uh, spent four and a half years there, an amazing place, rich culture. Um, it's a Hindu island in the largest Muslim country in the world, Indonesia. And then suddenly the president, the founder of the company, Horst Schultze, um, when the company sold to Marriott, he left, he got out and he went into a year of a non-compete. We knew he was starting a new company and we were all wondering, you know, where's it going to be, who's going to be part of it and, yeah. uh, who's going to get the call. And I got the call and he's like, pack your bags, we're starting over and you're going to be part of it. And I thought, this is great. I live in Bali. I'm most probably going back to either Singapore or Hong Kong or Shanghai. If I'm going to the States, it's going to be Atlanta or New York or LA or Aspen or whatever. And so when I asked them the questions, I go, oh, by the way, where, where are we moving? I have a beautiful wife and a baby um, less than one year old. He told me we were moving to Auburn, Alabama. And I had absolutely no clue where that was. War Eagle. Um, War Eagle. <laughs> but he had served on the advisory board for the hospitality management program at Auburn University since its inception of the hospitality program, obviously. And I had always advised the dean, you know, if you're going to be serious about a hospitality program, you need to get yourself a, a hotel, a restaurant, a laundry, a dishwashing operation because you cannot teach hospitality simply from a book. Right. And as he started over at the university, Auburn University purchased a hotel that I'm sitting in right now and in 2002. And in 2003, we launched Capella Hotel Group from Auburn 
University on the Auburn campus. It was our first hotel, became the philosophical heart of our company. And as we grew it and grew it, uh, we sold the company in 2017. And in 2018, I was able to launch my own hotel management company called Ithaca Hospitality Partners. And uh, we're now just past the two-year mark in year three. That's amazing. And my, my future wife over here, Abby, is a grad of the uh, Auburn Hospitality, yes. which you had is how we connected. And, and from what I've heard, it's amazing. And she speaks very highly of it, of you and Horse, and just the values and the sense of pride that you had talked about in your hotels and what you do and how you treat customers and that sense of hospitality. And part of it's kind of that Southern, you know, the Southern hospitality that you hear about and that I get whenever I go to Abby's family's house in Alabama. So kind of define hospitality. What is it? Because I, I think there's a very general sense of what it means if you're outside of the hotel industry, but from the inside of the hotel industry, what is hospitality? You know, the word hospitality uh, goes back really, really far. Mm -hmm. It was first used by um, a Benedict monk who described, you know, because at the time, we're talking about the Middle Ages, if you were traveling, one of the very few places you were actually able to stay was a monastery. Mm. And as a traveler, he advised uh, the heads of the monasteries um, to teach the monks that if a traveler were to come by, um, you treat him as if Jesus Christ himself is coming uh, to your monastery. You're even allowed to stop your fasting. You wash their feet, you prepare them a meal. Um, and that's that's where the word came from. And so, you know, in today's world, you know, it, it has changed tremendously. And especially for the hotel business, I think we need to make a distinction between, you know, what, what is what is a place to sleep, a sleep factory? Mm -hmm. You check in, mostly remote. You go to your room, you use your phone to open the door, you go in, you sleep, you get up, and you leave. That That's not an experience. That's a transaction. And that serves its purpose. There's a lot of travelers. That's exactly what they're looking for. Um, but hospitality for, for us and the hotels that we're creating it's all about being experiential. It's all about being memorable. It's all about, you know, what can we do in the 12 or 24 or 48 hours that you're with us uh, to add value to your life, to add an experience that is going to make you feel better. You know, when you walk away, when you drive away, you really feel that you had an experience. Yeah, I love that the experience rather than the transaction. I think that's very pivotal in how you want to treat customers, how you want to treat your guests if you're at a hotel. But you kind of mentioned it earlier talking about going to the Ritz or to the Four Seasons is there was a sense of pride and a sense of values or culture when you walk in. So as a hotel manager, owner, operator, what, how do you instill that? What does that look like in instilling this, this pride of this hospitality and love of strangers to all everyone who works at your hotel. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a couple of layers deeper that we need to go, and it starts really with uh, you know what's your vision, right? As a company, and do you share that with your employees as you're onboarding, as you're training, and do they become part of that? Do they buy into it, believe it, and start? Um, treating their customers, you know, to fulfill that vision, right? And so our vision is to be best in class by connecting people, purpose, and performance. Very short, 
very to the point. And number one, best in class, if you, if you have a vision, it needs to be something in the future, something you aspire to. I, I'm not very impressed with vision statements that start with we are. Right. Know, it's like, oh, you feel you've already accomplished your, your yeah. ultimate mission and vision. But um, it starts with people. And, and this is a people business. It's, it's not a transaction business. It's not an interior design business. And it's not an architecture business. Mm-hmm. Our owners of hotels develop gorgeous places, gorgeous hotels. But the heart and soul of a hotel is not the design. The heart and soul of a hotel is people. Right. People provide service, a building does not. And so the, the most important decision you have to make in this business is how are you going to select your employees? What scientific tool do you use to select your employees? We partnered with a company out of Lincoln, Nebraska called Talent Plus. Um, it was our selection partner in the Ritz-Carlton Hotel Company. It was the art selection partner in the next company, Capella Hotel Group. And it's our selection partner in our current company, Ithaca yeah. Hospitality Partners. And it's really based on it's talent-based. It's talent-based interviews where you really find out what your God-given talents are and which job they best apply to or industry they best apply to. And some sometimes people get really excited about the hospitality industry, but they don't necessarily have the talents that are going to make them successful within an organization, within a culture. Yeah. So once you once you've selected your employees, you use the scientific tool, you figure out what the talents are, you can teach them everything else. I right. mean, we're, we're, we're not sending a rocket to the moon. We're not doing open heart surgery. Um, we're providing you a place to sleep, eat, drink, have a great time, and, and create experiences, right? So to check somebody in at a front desk, to check somebody out is a process. And it doesn't matter how much experience you have with that. That's an easy process to teach. Um, taking an order in a restaurant, delivering food and dropping a check, that's... That's a process. It's a transaction. Pretty easy to teach. But if you have the innate God-given talent to take care of people, where you love serving people, taking care of people, now you're adding that additional value. So we really focus our selection on, do you have the raw talent? We can teach you the processes, right? Now, if you then drop that new employee in an environment, in a culture, in a community within a hotel where they thrive, where they come to work to be with their friends and create excellence. Um, You provide feedback mechanisms. You provide the proper training. You provide a way for them to be able to go out of their way, to be empowered and take care of your guests. You've got the makeup for something really great. And that's why performance is last. So you find the right people. They find purpose in what they're doing it's naturally going to drive performance. You're, there's there's nothing more impactful to a hotel guest than the interactions they had with the staff. Mm. They're going to forget the bed they slept in. They're going to forget the shower. They're never going to forget the interaction with the staff. That's me. I, I think that's so opposite. And when people hire normally is they look for the perf- performance first. And mm-hmm. can you do the job? Can you do this? But really especially in a hotel, a lot of what you're doing, like you said, is, is teachable. You can teach anybody to, to take someone's, I mean, to check someone in, to do anything at the hotel, but you can't teach those values or the culture that you want to cultivate. And you kind of had mentioned it at the beginning that a vision is something in the future, but then you also have a mission statement. And this is something I'm kind of passionate about because I think a lot of mission statements for companies are extremely lame and they don't really do anything. You don't really go anywhere. But 
So what is kind of the difference between a mission statement and a vision statement and how do you apply those to your businesses? Yeah, you know, it's so funny you mentioned that because you can ask a hundred people that question and, um, you know, they will come up with a hundred different answers. Right. And when we, when we put our, our company together, um, you know, we, the very first thing we did, we defined, uh, who we were going to be and what, what is our purpose mm-hmm. and what is our promise to our employees? What is our promise to our owners? What's our promise to our guests? What's our promise to our communities in which we operate? Um, you know, what, what defines that, you know? And so the, the vision actually came in, uh, slightly, slightly later, um, you know, we, we, uh, we started out with our, our very first purpose statement, um, you know, to, to define who we are. And, and it's, it basically states with God as our compass and with a joyful and humble spirit, we sailed together on a voyage with an uncompromising commitment to all, all that we serve. And, you know, we sat around the table and we really, uh, labored on this and you know we in today's business world that you put god into something um a lot of people will tell you whoa 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 wait a second why yeah. whoa, whoa whoa and why are you doing this right. and for us it was important to define what our value system is rooted in how do we make decisions what are they based in and, um, you know, it was really funny as we're starting to have these conversations and we're formulating this purpose statement, um, you know, the, the, the friends, consultants who we worked with to put this together, one of them said, are you afraid that it may actually cost you business to put God in your, in your purpose statement? And uh, one of our partners, one of the groups said, well, hasn't really hurt Chick-fil-A, has it? <laughs> and so, you know, when we, we, we go through this in orientation, it's, it's part of, of what we explain. Um, but, you know, we're an extremely diverse organization mm-hmm. with all different faiths and communities represented. So people of the Jewish faith, uh, Muslims, Hindus, uh, it's it's a it's a microcosm of of the world you know it's it's a great representation and we want to make sure that everybody feels very comfortable in that but also i'm not going to hide what where where our volume system was created out of what it's what it's uh what it represents and and the interesting thing is unfortunately in today's world the moment you put god into something uh, a lot of people equate that unfortunately with a statement of therefore you must be against something. Right. And what we're really trying to explain is no, no, we're not against anybody or anything. The, 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 our table is open. Like, like the monks were in the middle ages mm. opening their monasteries. There wasn't a check at the door or a questionnaire at the door, which faith you had, right. Or, or any faith at all, you were welcome. And, and we feel the same way. So instead of being equated with something you're against for us, it's really, it's important for us to, to, for you to know what we're for. Mm. Yeah. I think that's, and it's, keep going. Go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. No, I, I mean, I think that's so important. And, and just like you said, Chick-fil-A is not hurting from it. And like, you know where you stand, you know where your values are. Yeah. And you put it in your mission statement and you go for it. And it's something you attain. So would you say mission statement is something more of the daily practice you go after? And then the vision is what you want to become in the future. Correct. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's huge. And I think that's where a lot of people miss it. The, the vision statements or the mission statements of we are this, we, uh, we exist to increase shareholder value. Yeah. Like, that's not very passionate. That doesn't really, that doesn't drive me to want to come to work for purpose, you know? Exactly. Yeah. So for you, what does that look like? How do you get there? Um, in, in terms of explaining that to our employees? Yes. And, and making sure that your employee comes to work with a passion and a purpose for what they're doing rather than just oh, work for a job. That's day to day. And, and it's really about, you know, how do you treat your employees, right? If, if you're treating them by um, them simply fulfilling a function, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's not what we're as human beings are driven by, right? right. We're not driven by direction. We're driven by purpose, by by motive, right? Mm. And so if you help people find that, you know, and it's we started in our orientation process. We do a full day of orientation before you go into training. Really, as a new employee, for you to understand who you decided to join. Right. And are you still excited about it at the end of the day? And if you are, great. If not, run, right? Right. Nobody has run, nobody's run so far. So that's good. Well, that's good. But we also sprinkle through that day uh, all different kinds of examples, video material, comments from guests, reviews from guests that really show examples of, here's an example of what it would look like if an employee was simply fulfilling a function, a checklist, a task list, et cetera, et cetera. And this would be the outcome. Right. However, here's an example of one of our employees who's fully empowered to make a decision at the benefit of the guest. And this is what they were able to accomplish. And people are still talking about it. Right. Great tiny example of that is, you know, obviously Auburn, huge football town um, university. You know, uh, let's, let's see what happens with the SEC, but I'm, I'm hoping and praying that we're, we're playing. For your sake, we're hoping we're playing. Yeah, exactly. But uh, um, in a safe way, of course. But we had uh, last year refugees from the coast from one of the hurricanes that was coming through. Mm. And they went to the front desk and they asked if they could extend one more night. This was on a Friday of a home game, a big home game that was played on Saturday. Now, if you're a front desk agent in an average hotel and you look at that, you're going to say, I am so sorry. We are completely sold out. Um, I'm sorry, you're out of luck. That is what you're going to get in 99% of hotels, right? Excellence and and finding purpose in what you're doing is what our agent did, who had literally just gotten off the phone with one of our guests. It's a package that you buy for all seven home games, two night minimum, 14 nights prepay. And he had told her, listen, I am not going to be there until tomorrow afternoon. He just wanted us to know. She took it upon herself as she is talking to these refugees who had been in the hotel for a week. Hold on one second. She goes to the back, calls that guest back who was a package holder and said, Mr. Mr. So-and-so, this is the situation. May they use your room? She's totally but she didn't ask permission from anybody. She's empowered right. to make the best decision and use her common sense uh, at the benefit of the guests. And the guests said, oh my gosh, the refugees? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm not going to be there until two o'clock. If you can just make sure that they're gone and my room is clean and don't charge them for it. It's on me. Mm. And so that is an employee confronted with the exact same situation where one, in finding no purpose, 
clocking in, collecting a paycheck and clocking out would say, sorry, you're out of luck. Well, somebody who finds purpose in what they're doing is, is going above and beyond to find a way to take care of their guests. Mm-hmm. Now, that goes to two things. Are you selecting the right people and do you place them in a culture where this is encouraged, where this is promoted, where this is rewarded, where this is part of your daily routine? Yeah. And I mean, and that is hard to train. That, that's an incredible story. And, and that, that front desk lady is, is incredibly empowered. You can tell that she gets it. She gets the purpose of hospitality, that these people need a place to stay. We have rooms. We're going to make something happen to where they can stay. And I read uh, Horst Schultz's book and it's amazing. It's called Excellence Wins. And there's, there's okay. a, yeah, right, right there it is. <laughs> it's it's Me and Cooper is who's my co-host. It's, we, it's always right here on my table. <laughs> it's amazing. It, it's You can yeah. apply it to anything. But there's a legend in there they talk about for Ritz-Carlton employees where they each have $2,000 where mm-hmm. that they can use. Can you kind of talk about that and what that looks like to bless or to help the guests make sure that they have a pleasant experience? Yeah. I think that um, nobody likes to ask permission, right, to begin with. So if you train people properly and you empower them empowerment really means you have the power to make a decision right and in a traditional hotel environment or restaurant environment um in a non-empowered environment if something happens to the guest the employee is required to go to the manager and then the manager needs to come to the front or to the table or to the front desk the guest has to explain it all over again And you're then going to make a decision. By doing so, you're treating the employee as if they're dumb as a brick. And that they they will not be able to make any kind of intelligent decision. Well, that makes you feel terrible, right, to begin with. So why not flip the the story around and say, listen, the reason a guest is telling a server at the table or a bartender at the bar or a front desk agent at the front desk is because they think, that that person can fix their problem. Mm-hmm. And all they want to see is that you make their issue go away as fast as possible, right? So if now you need to wait for a manager, you have to explain yourself all over again, the agitation level just goes up and up and up. And it's mm-hmm. going to take longer, more effort, more time, more money to fix the issue, right? So why not empower your employees to begin with? And I, when I first joined with Carlton, and I heard that two thousand dollar empowerment. I'm like, yeah, right. Yeah, I I have to see that in action. Then I saw it in action every day. But what it does, it creates loyalty, right? Mm-hmm. And a guest will forgive you if something goes wrong. They will not forgive you if it goes wrong a second time. But in between is that that service recovery piece. How long does it take? How difficult is it? And am I going to walk away, feel better about it, right? So if the service recovery, we used to call that problem resolution, but if the service recovery is positive, you just created an ambassador. You just created a raving fan for your hotel or your restaurant. And they're going to talk about that, right? If they have to wait, you know, time is the most valuable commodity to people today. Mm -hmm. If they have to wait for resolution, it's over. You know, you you will never regain that customer. And bad news travels fast. You know, they will talk about that to everybody who wants to listen to it and those who don't. 
Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing too, is that you have to realize that I think a lot of people when they hear that, they're like, you're crazy for giving your, yeah. your employees $2,000 to just shoot at issues and just cover them up and get rid of them because we're losing money. It, like in the general sense, but, but when think you about think it this about way it and, and you're getting loyalty, go ahead. Yeah. Well, think about what that customer is worth to you over a lifetime. Exactly. You know, why continuously go through the process of trying to find new customers? Why don't you first take care of the ones that you have, right? And if that costs money, don't ever look at at uh, what you what the service recovery cost, right? Don't ever look at it as a one night stay or a one time dinner or whatever it is. It is about that customer is going to come back into your market for the next four years, for example, as the parent of a fresh incoming freshman, and if you lose him. On the first service interaction, the first time to stay in your hotel and then never come back, you lost the customer for four years. Right. For graduation, for you know, special occasions, for coming back, et cetera, et cetera. It cannot be worth it. Mm. You know? Yeah, and that's the biggest thing too, is that you're building loyal customers and that will keep coming back. And that's how you can turn this negative situation where something happened in their room where their sink wasn't working and you're able to fix it. Yeah where their food, something happened with their food. And then that person, instead of going and telling people what happened in a negative sense, they get to come back and say, but this is what they did to fix the issue. Exactly. And exactly. this is why I'm coming back. Yeah. I think that's well, think, the essence of hospitality. Yeah. Well, I think about it this way, right? I, I, I use Chick-fil-A. I have tremendous respect for Chick-fil-A for the service culture. And what I always ask our, our, our new team members going through orientations, like, Okay, imagine this street in Auburn, and when you drive there, on the left-hand side, there's a fast casual restaurant with about six lines going around the building and hundreds of people. Right. And everybody mentions Chick-fil-A. And then across the street, there's another restaurant that I'm not going to mention the brand. And there's like three cars in the drive-thru. Right. They both, they both serve chicken sandwiches for breakfast, right? But why is there this, this carousel of cars going around the one side, right? Is it the chicken? Is it how you're being treated? Or is it the combination of the two? It's mm. fascinating to hear the answers because I never hear somebody say it's only the chicken, right? <laughs> it's either a combination or how they're being treated. Yeah, I mean, the chicken's the pretty, the chicken's pretty darn good, but... Oh, the chicken is phenomenal. <laughs> but, I love it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a reason we eat there every day. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, and that's a sense where Chick-fil-A is not a hotel and Chick-fil-A is not a place where you're staying, but it's still the experience. And so kind of talk about how this, you take the idea of looking for the small details, making sure the customer is comfortable, has a great stay and doing whatever you can to assist them. How does that translate to a business? Say if, if it's food service, whether it's a university, how, do, how can you take the ideas of hospitality and excellence in hotels and translate it to the business world? Yeah, it's very simple. If you, if you think about what customers want today, and it doesn't matter what business this is, okay? They essentially want three things, okay? They want things timely. Again, timeliness, so important. Time wow. is the most valuable commodity. I mentioned that earlier of people today. Um, number two, you have to be reliable, okay? You have to be defect-free. And today, more so than ever, you need to be absolutely immaculate. Uh, clean is no longer good enough. And especially in this COVID environment, mm. if, if anything doesn't look clean, it's you've lost the trust of the customer. Right. So timeliness and then reliable, defect-free processes, et cetera, et cetera. But if you do not combine that with warm, caring, 
genuine personalized service, then you've missed one of the three. They're completely interconnected. They're completely linked. One cannot exist without the other. So if you focus on those three things in your business, no matter what it is, whether you're a bank, a a car dealership, um, a hotel, a restaurant, uh, it doesn't matter what it is. You focus on those three things, you're going to be successful. When Chick-fil-A first came out with, we're going to to create five-star service in the fast casual food uh, place in the markets when they were much smaller than they are today, everybody laughed at them. Right. Uh, remember, it's Carlton first came out with the credo card. Everybody laughed at us, right? Mm-hmm. And then suddenly people start to see your success and they're like, huh, wait a second, there's something <laughs> to that. Let's copy it, right? Yeah. But but that's just words on, on a piece of paper that hold absolutely no value if you don't systematically implement it in all your processes throughout your organization. Think about it this way. Our accounting team follows the same steps in our service process, which is a warm welcome, anticipation and compliance of guest needs, exceeding their expectations and a fond farewell. Now, when you call an accounting department in a hotel in in the United States, the chances are that you're anticipating this to be a difficult conversation. Right. It's not going to be friendly. It's most probably going to be your fault and yeah. you're not going to get your money back, right? So it flows throughout the entire organization. It doesn't matter whether you fold laundry, are taking care of the herb garden or the pool, whether you're in accounting, in sales, in human resources, uh, the same the same commitment to those three uh, priorities for our guests and the four steps in our service presa- process. Um, we call them the Ithaca pillars of service, you know, and there's four of them. And and again, you skip one of the process, it's not a it's not a memorable experience. Right. Do you mind saying those four again? I think they were beautifully put. Yeah, absolutely. It's a warm welcome. So it's that first impression. Doesn't matter if it's a car dealer, a hotel, an airline, a car rental place, doesn't make any difference. That's so easy. It's easy to do. Yeah. Anticipation of guest needs, right? Which is basically, we hate explaining ourselves over and over and over again what we don't like or what we want. We want you at some point to get it, right? And um, the third one is uh, is exceeding expectations. So what is that little extra magic? What's that little extra thing that you can do, that extra step that in turn is going to make you feel really good? You know, the great thing about philanthropy, whether it's monetarily or time-wise, is it's proven fact that it's, you do something for someone else. And as an unintended consequence, you feel better about yourself and the world, right? right? So if we can encourage you to exceed our guest expectation, but are really going like, holy cow, wow, this is amazing. You feel better because you were able to do that. Right. And then the final step is a fond farewell. It's the experience is not complete unless we bid you a fond farewell, whether that's in the elevator, on the floors of the hotel, in the restaurant, in the valet parking area. We need to thank you for your business. Mm-hmm. and hope to see you soon. Hope to have you come back. Uh, safe drive home. Can we get you a bottle of water? Thank you so much. You walk away from a hotel experience or a restaurant's experience like that. You're like, wow, that's different, mm-hmm. right? And that's a place you'll go back to. I love those yeah. four. And they transcend just not only hotels, they go to any business, any any sort yeah. of, I mean, school, university, 
fast food. And that's why Chick-fil-A is so successful that they have yeah. really grabbed all four of those and they do it every time. And then they say my pleasure. And so now you, you know, yeah. Chick-fil-A by my pleasure and, and they ingrain that in their employees and you know, they love working there. So, I mean, I love that it builds excellence. And I mean, if you want a little more of that horse Schultz's book, excellence wins, I'll plug it again. It's an amazing book and I, I love it so much, but well, Hans, thanks so much for all of that. I want to ask you just one more question that we love asking all our listeners and it's what advice would you give your 20 year old self, 20 year old Hans, what are you telling him <laughs> as he's looking towards leadership, looking towards the hospitality industry? What's your advice? Well, I think, you know, our daughter is 18. She's about to start this fall at Baylor University. And so I would give her the same advice that if I had a chance to do it over again at, at 18 to 20 years old, would be the same thing. Don't let anything stop you. Don't let anybody stop you from forming your own vision of what you want to accomplish. Mm -hmm. um, stay rooted in your principles and your values. Be, be absolutely uncompromising on it and and shoot for the stars and 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 create a pathway to get there be absolutely committed to it. so once you create a vision and you commit yourself to it you're going to fulfill it you're going to do it just creating a vision and not taking any actionable steps doesn't make it yeah not going to get you anywhere right you're, you're going to be on the start line 10 years later instead of on the finish line right so um and enjoy every step of the way. Life was created for us as a as a string of experiences, and many of them are to be enjoyed. Others are are, are sometimes sad. They're, they're 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 difficult, and we learn and grow from them. And so that's why we call our company Ithaca. It's after a Greek poem called Ithaca, and um, it's about the journey in life. It's but it's also about hospitality. You know, it's experiential. Enjoy every step on the way. Um, God is good, and He has created those experiences for you. Recognize them as such, and um, enjoy every moment of them. I love it. That's some good advice. I hope we take it and we hit it and we apply it and that we become excellent and, and we work to, to bless people through hospitality. Hans, thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much. It was an honor and a pleasure.